Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to My Big Break from Motorsport a podcast that explores the major moments in the careers of key Formula One figures and how they met different forks in the road that led them to where they are today. I'm Chris Bedland, and today I'm joined by new Mercedes driver George Russell to discuss the options that were presented to him as a junior, the contract offer that had Mercedes saying he would never drive for them, and the crucial races that led to a seat with Williams and ultimately promotion to a world championship winning team. Even if progress looks easy from the outside, it's never quite as simple as it seems. George, thanks so much for joining us at the end of what has been a crazy season uh, and one when you're about to step up to Mercedes. But we're going to look at the path that has taken you there and the crucial performances, moments, people um, that have played a key part in that happening. And the first question really is uh, in an earlier one of these uh, podcasts in this series, Alex Albon uh, says he basically was the talent scout that picked you out for the Intrepid Driver Programme. That he was. Yeah. Ah, here so, we go. So is that true? <laughs> that is um, a memory that has has passed by on me, but I, I do recall. So Intrepid Driver Program was a, uh, a team manufacturer in go-karting that in between 2010 and 2013, they were the team to be with. And they would do these days, sort of an assessment of a load of drivers. Alex was their driver at the time, and I arrived and... Um, you do a bit of a, an assessment and how do you uh, fare against, you know, world champion at the time, Alex Albon. So, um, yeah, maybe he made my career. It's all, all the talk about me helping him get a Williams drive. Maybe it all started uh, vice versa. Yeah, you've re- just repaid the favour Absolutely, now. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he did say that you were tough to shake off. That y- So you were a year below him, I think. Yeah, I've been, I, I think, actually two years below Alex. Alex is two years older than me. Mm-hmm. He was. He's definitely always at, at least been one year ahead of me. So we, until it was our Formula Three days, we never really raced each other because he was always in the junior category when I was in the mini category. He was in the senior category when I was in the junior category. So um, I think that's why we were quite good friends as well growing up because we never had that rival rivalry because we were never competing in the same category. Did you have rivalries with other drivers, though? Was there anyone that would stand out when you first started in karting or even in cars that you were like, I've got to beat that guy to really impress? Um, I'd say my biggest rivalry in go-karting was um, a guy called Ben Barnico, who sort of came through the ranks with me. And he was my rival from uh, my very first championships I was racing. It was called WTP which I believe stood for Watching the Pennies, uh, which is quite funny, and then into Coma Cadets, um, and then through to, to KF3. You know, there was always this bit of a rivalry, and we had uh, quite a few incidents along the way. Um, and then we ended up being teammates in Formula 3 and, and became good friends. So, it's again, it was interesting how these things turn around, and he's 
he's actually been doing a lot of uh, simulator work for um, Mercedes. I'm not even sure I'm allowed to say that, but I'm sure it's fine. Uh, <laughs> we'll find out afterwards. But he, um, you know, he, he's a really, really great guy and um, a really great driver. I'm oh, sorry, Toto's ringing. He says, uh, <laughs> he says the deal's off. Um, now, you mentioned KF3 there, actually. You won the European Championship in 2012. And then it looked like 2013 was a bit of a tougher year. Kind of what happened there? Because for a lot of drivers, it seems to be largely like momentum builds early on. And if you, you get a stumble, for some, they don't go much further. So what happened for you? That was that was a tough year. So I I had a couple of different options when I moved up from a junior category into the, the senior one. So I won the European Championship in, in KF3 in um, 2011 and 2012 and then in 2013 when I moved to the senior category I wasn't too sure um, which route to take in terms of which team to join and I had an offer from a, uh, a factory team uh, to have a have a factory drive with uh, Birrell Motorsport so Birrell was a manufacturer and yeah they were just going through a really tough period at the time, they were the team to be with in the, the KZ category, so the, the gearbox category. Uh, but in the KF category, they they only had three carts on the grid out of um, 80 or 90, however, however many were at all of these events, and just really struggled. So um, that was a real learning year for me, and that was probably, there are probably two seasons I look back on in my career, 2013 and 2015, which I think really molded me as a driver to learn to deal with not winning and to learn to deal with disappointments because up until that moment I'd had a pretty without trying to sound arrogant had a pretty flawless junior career you know I won in everything I raced 2013 was the first year that I didn't win anything and that was quite a shock to the system but I guess it taught me to be more resilient and taught me to to work hard and um, look at things from a different angle and a different perspective because you're not always going to be in a scenario that you've got the opportunity to win. And I guess that also helped when I joined Williams. You know, These two years of experience when I didn't win helped me to accept the struggles of 2019 because I knew it's just a phase. And I knew that those years wouldn't define me negatively. If anything, they will mould me into a better driver. Well, you responded well at Williams to that sort of situation. But in 2013, <laughs> when you're much younger, did you respond well then? Um, I'd say in 2013 with Birrell, I responded fine. But potentially with a bit of arrogance that I was blaming the equipment um, which then hindered me when I got into F3 with Carlin because I then, 2014, I moved to Formula 4. I won Formula 4, did some Formula Renault races, uh, the European Championship, won, won a race there. So it was sort of the winning ways were back. And then I went to Carlin in Formula 3, won at the very first round of a field of 35 cars, and then I was off the pace. And I was blaming the equipment rather than looking at myself so they were two quite different seasons and I guess in a way because I knew in 2013 the equipment wasn't the best I was quite at ease because I was outperforming my teammates um, quite drastically 
And then I guess also equally at Williams in 2019, I knew that we didn't have a car that was even close to being able to score points. So, you know, maybe a one race, I could have been a one-tenth behind my optimal. You don't really recognise that. You don't really know that. But when you're really in the, in the, the thick of it and fighting for it, um, and that one-tenth is missing, you know, that's, that's where it becomes really difficult. And, and that was me, to be honest, during the 2015 F3 season. I was teammates with Antonio Giovinazzi, who was in his third year of Formula 3. He was one of the favourites to win the championship. And for the first half of the year, I was a tenth and a half, two tenths behind. And I just did not understand why. And that naivety of saying, it must be car, 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 as opposed to, what can I do to improve? To maybe... You know, I've, I haven't gone slower as a driver, but I needed to work harder to get more out of the car and my team. And at the end of the day, you are one big package together. And that's where that was probably the, the killer year for me that really helped me um, the years after. Yeah, you mentioned 15. I mean, it was an incredible field looking at it. I've got the list here. So Felix Rosenquist won the title from Antonio, from your teammate. You're, you're talking like you really, really didn't perform well at all. But then it was, uh, in terms of rookies, Charles was fourth, Lance Stroll fifth, yourself sixth, and Alex was seventh. So, I mean, that's a pretty strong field and strong set of results for everyone in, in that top seven. Did you know the talent around you at that point? Were you looking at these guys and going, like, these are people I could end up, if I can reach F1, so can these guys? Um, you can say no if not. If it, if no, it, no, no, no. I, I, I think you don't. You don't even recognize it during your younger days because, you know, for example, with Charles or even Max um, and Ocon, you know, you're racing these guys throughout all of your karting days. That was just the level. So we knew nothing else. That this was just the level, and that's. If you wanted to win, you had to beat these guys. As you went through the ranks, that just felt like that was the level. I guess it's only now that we are in Formula One, we look back and we think, bloody hell, you know, that was quite quite a grid um, of drivers we were racing against and how we're obviously performing in Formula One today. So, but it, again, I think even for a number of us, it, it was tough because we went into a field, I think Felix Rosenqvist was in his fifth or sixth season of Formula 3. Antonio was in his third season. Uh, Jake Dennis was there also in his third season. You know, these guys had so much experience. We were young kids coming in, uh, and we weren't with the top team who was Prema. You know, Prema were the team to be with. If you're in a Prema, you got a good chance of winning. And um, so that I think that was tricky for all of us, and if anything we probably performed worse um, throughout the mid part of the season because we weren't used to not being able to win every single week. And because we were young kids and trying to understand how to deal with this uh, difficulty for us, that actually held us back for quite quite a bit. Whereas if I went in with the mentality saying, right, I am going up against the guys who have been here for six years, five years, four years, who are probably in slightly superior um, cars to us like Giovinazzi for me was was the man to beat that year for me he he was the best driver of the season but I don't believe the Carlin car was anywhere close to bef- the performance of the of the Prema car so I'm going up against the guy who was at the top of his game in a Formula 3 car and I was a tenth behind 
and I thought, what on earth is going on? You know, I've come in as a rookie, only one year in, in single seaters, and I'm one tenth behind the man to beat. And I'm thinking, you know, the world's over for me. What, what is going on? And that and that mentality is what probably held me back even more. Whereas if I had the mentality, he's the man to beat. He's been here three years, and I've come in, I've won at the first round, but on average, I'm only one tenth behind after one or two races, and he's been here for three years. I'll be fine and I'll get there. But that arrogance probably held me back to uh, not having a stronger year. But that shows, I guess, what your targets were or how high you were aiming. Um, but by the time you were in F3, we're talking pretty serious budgets already. Like, who was or how was the support coming together for you? Like, in, through karting, sometimes that seems to be like almost like privately funded, but at some stage, someone has to start putting the money up that's going to keep opening those doors for you. Like, how did that come about, essentially? Who did you convince to say, you know, I've got potential, you should be, uh, you should be jumping on this train? <coughs> um, well, to be honest, through my Formula 4 days, it was still uh, family-funded, to be honest. And that 2015 year was, was my last year of, um, you know, we, we got a very good deal with, with the team because they, they backed me. And actually, ironically, not many people may, may know this, but uh, Jos Capito was obviously the head of Volkswagen at the time. I was racing with Carlin, who was a Volkswagen engine, and it was actually Yost who was supporting um, a couple of drivers in Formula 3 and chose me to be one of his drivers. So they um, effectively sponsored the engine side of things, which contributed to a huge amount of the budget in Formula 3. So that was quite, you know, it's quite funny how these things work out in turn. But that was my last season, and without any backing, from that 2015 season, I'd almost say the journey was was over. But then, if if that was Yost sort of sponsoring you in a sense, like what did Volkswagen want in return? Was it just because they thought you had the potential to go far, or, or did you have to? Like, you know, was there an option then that if they ever did certain categories that you'd have to talk to them? No, there was no obligation whatsoever. They they um, supported. Oh, they raced in Formula Three alongside Mercedes and a couple of other uh, private manufacturers on the engine side, and they just wanted to support who they believe were, were the top talent at the time because they wanted to beat Mercedes as Mercedes wanted to beat Volkswagen. So it was quite a normal thing back in the old F3 days that Mercedes would support a couple of drivers and potentially give a bit of uh, preferential treatment, maybe not, but the same with Volkswagen. You know, They would try and look after these guys, right? We want to give our top engines, our top, our top equipment to these guys because they are going to be our best shot at winning the championship and trying to beat uh, the Mercedes-backed drivers. So that was, I guess it was almost for, for bragging rights, really. But then, so you were competing against Mercedes, <laughs> like, and yeah. then suddenly you become a Mercedes driver. Like, How did that, is that because you impressed them, do you think, in um, So I was already having conversations with Toto Mercedes prior to joining Carlin and Volkswagen, but I felt um, so. I actually had a the deal on the table to have almost the same backing from Mercedes as I had from Volkswagen, but because of um, there wasn't an opportunity open at Prima, um, the next team I would would have had to join would be a, a German team called Mucker Motorsport, who I felt for my first season at F3 wouldn't be as well suited to me as a British team in Carlin. So after my meeting with Toto at the start of 2015, I sent him an email just to say, 
really appreciate the meeting and thanks for all of your advice, etc. Just to let you know, I'll actually be joining Carlin and Volkswagen as opposed to Mucker Motorsport and Mercedes because I believe it's better for my career. And I had the opinion that if I went out and did a good job, Mercedes would still be interested. So, you know, he replied back to him, um, I think you're making the wrong decision, but let's stay in touch and let's see where we go from there. Well, it, I guess in a sense it was the right decision because you ended up with Mercedes, but did, did he then take any convincing? Did he, you know, <laughs> did it feel a bit cold at first that he was like, well, you didn't, you know, you didn't sign it this time, so I'm not going to come chasing you um, too hard? No, not really, because I think I'm trying to remember exactly um, what happened at certain points in the season, but I then, later that year in 2015, I then had a, an offer from BMW to race in DTM. I did a, I did a test with BMW in December in Hareth, and they they sent one of their uh, factory drivers from DTM as the reference driver, and we ended up being faster than the reference, and Mercedes were there doing a rookie test with their factory driver and their chosen rookies. Audi were there doing a, a, a test as well. I remember Giovinazzi was, was doing that test back in 2015, and everybody could see the time, so everybody could see by the end of that day. It wasn't uh, public, but privately you could see that um, we're the fastest time of the day. And there were there was a an engineer who, who shifted from BMW to Mercedes, and I think potentially he was quite influential in saying, you know, this guy was incredibly fast, and you need to sign him before BMW do. So I had the contract on the table from BMW, ready, almost ready to sign it, and that's when I got the phone call from Gwen Lagru in January 2016. Uh, sat in the bath, actually, um, <laughs> to say... I want to have a conversation about joining Mercedes. And that's where it all started, really. So, did, can you name the engineer that you can thank for that? <laughs> or are you not allowed to because they no, I'll, um No, I'll keep that. I'll, I'll, I'll keep that between us. But I'm, I'm, because I'm not, I'm not even... This is me putting two and two together. I'm not even sure that was the case. Um, but I just thought it was quite coincidental. But as well, it may not have just been the engineer because, as I said, the times were... Um, public to all of the teams who were there so everybody could see how every driver was performing how their race pace was how their quality performance was and compared to the factory driver as each factory team had taken their factory driver as the reference to see how the rookies are comparing so maybe that was the reason but if you decided with BMW was that going to move you away from F1 completely? oh it was absolutely clear from Mercedes they said if you sign with BMW you know, there won't be an option with Mercedes in the future. So the deal on the table for Mercedes was was an option. So it was racing Formula 3 for one more year with a Mercedes-backed team, which was high-tech. And you'll come and do all of the simulator work for Mercedes F1. We'll see how you get on, see how you're performing on track, how you're performing off track. And we'll make a decision in October that year if we take you. There's... You know, there's a chance we might not take you. There's a chance we will take you. But if you sign the BMW contract, you know we're out. So I've got this contract on the table from BMW, which is to go and race DTM, which at the time was an incredibly probably the best championship after Formula One. I was a 16 year old at the time, um, 16, 17 year old. Uh, a lot of money on the table, and it was all quite shocking. Like it all came so sudden. Well, I've done this test. The test went incredibly well. The contract's on the table three days later. Well, you know, 
I've not really had any communications with F1 teams and the conversation with Toto's were positive, but I'm not too sure if, if it's going to lead to something. But this is on the table now. And they needed a needed a, a decision to be taken. And then suddenly Mercedes pick up the phone, but they weren't offering anything concrete. It was, you know, you've got to take a chance. I have to take a chance on them. They might turn around and say, I'm sorry. But then the BMW door is closed as well. But the big difference is this is Mercedes, and that was Formula One, and that was BMW, and that was DTM. You know, it was, I was a 17-year-old, and you had to ch- take that risk. I guess if it didn't work out, I'd potentially be regretting it. Um, but it did work out, and, and here we are. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. You said so it was October that year you had to convince them. And it wasn't the easiest year, was it? That that second one. No, F3. it wasn't. I mean, high tech were a completely new team in Formula Three. I was actually teammates with Ben Barnico, so back with my arrival from uh, my my uh, cadet days in the UK and uh, Nikita Mazepin. And Mercedes were absolutely aware of the how superior Prema were compared to everybody else on the grid. I finished third, and I had a Prema who, in Lance Stroll, who won. Prema finished second, and a Prema finished fourth in the championship. I don't know where the fourth Prema finished that season, but and I only won two races. But be- they recognised the performance I was achieving in that car uh, compared to my teammates and the, the performance I was doing on the simulator. I think I was um, a bit of an asset for them in the simulator work. I was doing many, many days. Uh, they were long, brutal days in the simulator. And uh, the guys worked incredibly hard and pushed me to work incredibly hard. And I think all of it together, they said, right, let's let's take a chance and let's let's go next year in uh, GP3. So originally, I was thinking that you were going to say GP3 was a bit of a make or break year because the year before maybe hadn't been a title winning one and, and I needed to prove it to Mercedes. But if they'd seen that in you, I assume they were much more content and happy with you going into GP3. But when did you then get the feeling from them that they're saying, you know, you win this title in GP3 or you just get yourself to F2 and, and do well there and, you know, this path is to Formula 1? Uh, how early were you aware that it really did look feasible for you? Um, f- Mercedes and, and Toto made it incredibly clear. They said, at the time, I was one, two junior drivers or one of three junior drivers, their other two were in F1. They said, you know, we don't take a junior driver for no reason. We take it because we believe in you and we believe you have the potential. So it was clear what the path was. 
you know, there were at the time there were other driver academies who had hundreds of drivers. Um, whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. You know, it gives them a, a bit more flexibility, I guess. But Mercedes said, right, we believe in you. We believe we've got the potential and we want to help you develop to get into Formula One and obviously one day be a Mercedes driver. So it was clear from their side, if you win, you'll be an F1. If you do a good job with Williams, you'll be in a Mercedes car. And it was it was as simple as that. You know, Toto always said, leave me to do my thing, which is, you know, the political side, running the team, but also helping me find these opportunities. You just focus on the racing. If you win GB3, you'll be an F2. If you win F2, you'll be an F1. You do a good job with Williams, you'll be in a Mercedes. And when, when it's laid, laid laid down on the table like that, it's sounds pretty straightforward. <laughs> I'm about you to say know? that easy. <laughs> it's, um, but, but he's right. You, know, you don't need to worry about anything else. You just worry about driving. If you perform, he will make it happen. That's what happened. Now, bef- before we get on to Williams, actually, your first test was in a Force India. It was. And I remember after that test, actually, it was actually your FP1 run in Interlagos, Bob Fernley saying how impressed he was with you. But you were perhaps too nice and they were going to beat that out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Did, do you think you were too nice when you first came into F1? Did you have to find a different edge? Or do you think actually you you just evolved naturally into like the most comfortable position for you? I think you've got to have a balance. I'm a, I was a 18-year-old at the time and you can't come in with a load of arrogance thinking you're better than everybody else and you're going to prove it. Because similar to the F3 year, I'm going up against Isman Ocon who was performing at the top of his game, doing really, really well in that Force Indy car. I've got a one I've got one session to try and prove to everybody what I can do. Never driven with Force India before. Never driven around Interlagos before. Never been with those engineers before. You know, so much to learn. Um but yeah, I guess I was I was I, I like to think I'm quite still quite nice now. To, you know, I don't you know, you, you're in this big team together. Um you know the Force India guys who are obviously the Aston Martin team of, of today were were great, great people, and I still say hello to them every single time I walk into the paddock. And I think that was that was the journey uh, we were sort of destined for, with um, following in Ocon's footsteps almost, because that path had worked for him as a Mercedes driver, and that seemed like the natural path um, for for myself as well. Now I think it's it's almost easy to look at then what you did in terms of junior career results, and you said it yourself, if you win GP3, if you win F2, you're going to end up in F1, and, and you did. But getting the Williams seat, uh, like, what are you told when you're sitting around waiting and you're being linked to this iconic team and your first F1 seat? Are, are you kept in the loop? Are you just waiting for someone to pick up the phone and say to you, right, that's what you're doing next year? How <laughs> how much are you aware of? Um, I, I mean, I was aware a lot that I was had a, a very good chance because I was doing the, the simulator assessments um, at the factory, I was involved in a couple of meetings, Toto and uh, Gwen and, and James Vowers actually, I'd say they're the three key people who, who have been by my side along along this journey. They were constantly keeping me in the loop. But it all happened awfully quick, to be honest, because it was uh, it needed to be announced at the US Grand Prix because Williams were looking for a title, a title sponsor and that deal was going down in and around the US Grand Prix so I think it was in Russia which potentially was the race before when I basically got the phone call to say right 
this is happening. We have one week to sort the contract, and it's been announced. I, I can't even. I think it was the Tuesday of um, the U.S. Grand Prix. So it all happened so suddenly, and I was still in the mix of trying to win a Formula Two championship. But I came away from a, a really strong weekend in Sochi. And I basically just needed to score four points or something in, in Abu Dhabi to win the championship. So I was pretty relaxed and obviously it was a very surreal moment. And a, it really exhilarating one because, as I said, it just all happened so quick over the course of two weeks. Suddenly these conversations have started, done the simulator assessment, being told you got the drive and then doing the contracts and then doing the photo shoots and the the announcement. You know, it all happened so so suddenly. And was that the sponsor that didn't happen? Uh, yeah, it was a sponsor <laughs> that didn't happen. So um, I don't wish to say names because... Um, <laughs> it, from my memory, I think it was a, a bullet that was dodged for the team yeah. from the way it, the way that one panned out. So, um, yeah. <laughs> but, then, but then things like that, do you, are you aware? If, if they're trying to time your announcement for when a sponsor comes in, did it feel like, oh, if now they don't have a title sponsor, is my seat in jeopardy, that sort of thing? Or were you just confident? No, I mean, again, I guess a bit of... I was young and and, and experienced of how um, political is probably the wrong word, but how on edge it was for so many Formula One teams to find the budget to run the team. And it's hinging on a couple of key decisions or moments for a sponsor to say, we're going to go with you or not. And that's an incredibly stressful time. And I guess... Um, I had an incredibly open dialogue with, with Claire over the coming years and a really great relationship with that. She really kept me in the loop with a lot of things and taught me actually how these things work and how on edge they were. You know, I'd, I'd spent my years with Mercedes, championship winning team, so much glory. People were going to them saying, I want to sponsor you. I want to be part of your team. And they had you know, free choice of who they wanted to, to go with to to a degree, whereas Williams at the time had finished last uh, the previous year, having to fight for finding relatively small sponsorship, um, and it's and it was it was so difficult, and I guess success would hinge on these key decisions because it would depend if they could invest new upgrade uh, new upgrades or trying to further the development of the car so I soon learned that things were very different for teams at the back of the grid compared to Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari. But I mean it's fair to say you know it's not been easy for Williams over the last few years but certainly that first year for you as well but that you've been one of the like standout positive moments or like, aspects of that team. You knew already from Mercedes point of view that if you performed well they would put you in a Mercedes car. Was there a race, was there a moment that you went that's the one that's clinched it either because they told you or because you felt it that you did something that said to them yeah, like, we can put them in? Um, it was, I mean, we signed a pretty rock-solid contract with, with Williams, so these three years were clear. You know, there was no no movement there whatsoever. Claire was pretty clear, and she, to be honest, she <laughs> she had a very uh, good good deal from her side because she had all, all of the power. You know, Williams were the last seat in Formula 1. It was that, or I wasn't in F1. So she could you know, really tighten that contract down, but it was all in Williams' favour. Obviously, you want to have a bit of flexibility because nobody knew how the team would perform, but we had faith 
at the time that the team would go back to some uh, some better results and we were ready to do the three years there because I thought it would be really good for my development and, and as things panned out, I think it has been very good for my development. But yeah, I guess Bahrain was last year was, was the key key moment that if there were any doubters, they were... Um, yeah, the doubts were, were gone. So... I mean, the, the the key people who would have made the difference in my career, uh, you know, uh, Toto, he he ultimately is the one who has the final say. He believed in me and he had faith in me even when I was finishing last every single weekend. So for me, that race obviously potentially proved a point to so many others. But at the end of the day, it's it's Toto who makes the decision, and because he followed my career so closely. I guess he he believed he knew what I was capable of, so that race probably didn't really change anything in his mind whatsoever. But to the outside world, so many others may have thought, okay, it is it's clear why he wants to go down that route. But um, I, I guess for everybody that was a, a standout race and, and a pretty crazy one when I look back at it. Well, just to finish, obviously you did the third year this year and, and you probably got your rewards I think and Williams has got theirs as, as a partnership with some of the results you've had and being able to really show all that effort and time that you put in that it, it came to fruition this year but if Claire didn't have that watertight contract I know it's before Bahrain but there were talks about you going into the Mercedes for this year were you under that impression that if Mercedes could have had you you would have been moving on quicker? <laughs> uh, it's ifs and buts isn't it it's um, I mean they are conversations that didn't even really happen because we knew how watertight the contract was. So, um, you know, the contract, Mercedes, you know, created the contract and worked with Williams on my behalf. So they were aware that Williams had all of the power. So what I admire so much from Mercedes and Toto is how loyal they are to their own. You know, Valtteri's been such a, key figure and key driver for them to help them achieve all of these world championships uh, along the way you know there's there's a lot of people can say um, some negative things or being off the pace of of Lewis Hamilton but you know he's been uh, an incredibly important part to all of that success and they want to reward that with their loyalty and maybe if he went through one or two bad races throughout last year they're not just going to get the axe out and say thank you very much and see you later. Because that's not how I do things. They give people the full opportunity and the full chance. And, you know, I'm a 23-year-old from their side. There's no need to rush. We, we've got the whole future ahead. And I guess that loyalty sh- brings faith to, to me as a driver, equally to the 2,000 employees that Mercedes have between Brackley and Bricksworth, that right, you know, if I work hard and I perform the goods, they are going to re- reward me with that loyalty, and I don't have to have any concerns about my job or my future. And you probably go ahead and perform even better. So I, I guess that's what I I really admire from from those guys, and they certainly do things quite different to to other teams down the grid. So I've got to be very grateful and thankful to have. I like Toto as your boss, and I'm sure um, that loyalty that he's shown Valtteri, you know, if 
type of form he'll show to to me and everybody else in the team when they do a good job. Yeah, well, um, they've delivered on their promises to you so far, and now it's just up to you to hold up your end of the bargain next Absolutely. year. Absolutely. <laughs> so. Just like a GB3 days, go, go out and do the job as simple as that. So, uh, Well, we, we look forward to seeing how you get on, George. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.